Spotify. Hello. Thank you for choosing the Lackadaisical Libricularist Podcast. Without further delay, here is your host, Jordan Maywood. to the LibroCube. My name is Jordan Maywood and I am the lackadaisical LibroCuberculist. Yes sir, that's me and ma'am as well. Mm-hmm. Today within the LibroCube is Movie Monday. Move over Monday. Well, just a little bit. We could just gotta squeeze movies in and then you can remain where you are. Remain seated, please. Remain seated at all times. Oh boy. Something I like to say at the top of every show, although I do believe perhaps even most importantly on a Movie Monday, and that is that there will be spoilers. Please, please, please take heed of this warning. Don't worry about the amount of heed that I have. I have an abundance of heed. Take as much as you need. And that rhymes, and you know it rhymes. Another thing I like to say is that if you like what you hear, the only payment I ask is a million dollars. I couldn't even say that with a straight face. That is ridiculous. The only payment I ask is perhaps you pass the podcast on to a friend. Perhaps you rate, subscribe, and comment within iTunes, as that is what helps others find podcasts, and that's what helps them grow and flourish like a beautiful, beautiful flower. Hmm. So very, very uh, beautiful. Yeah. That will, of course, take us into our last piece of podcast-related fitness, which is today's sponsor, which is Scatman Carruthers Lighting Store. Once again, today's sponsor is the Scatman Carruthers Lighting Store. For all your shining needs. Uh huh. Today I have four. Count them. Well, don't count them. Just take my word for it. Four movies to talk about. Probably do the two on the way to work and two on the way home. That is a possibility. But you never know what's going to happen within the liberal cube because anything can happen and quite often does. <laughs> Movie the first is Russell Peters, colon, Notorious. I have, I think since I've been doing this podcast, been counting comedian stand-up specials as movies, which uh, I suppose could fit in a TV Tuesday, because quite often they appear, these specials, on TV. But uh, I kind of treat them as movies, just for reasons that will remain secret. Ooh, yeah, add a little secret behind-the-scenes tension. Why don't I? Okay. (laughs) Uh, Russell Peters is a comedian, a standing-up comedian, who can and does and did, in this case, sell out just friggin' enormous stadiums. Quite often, comedians will sell out will play in clubs, will play in perhaps smallish theaters, or theaters, if you prefer, but uh, the comedian that plays in a stadium is rare, and unfortunately, I think quite often the case, maybe with the exception of 
Jerry Seinfeld, who I think could fill a stadium. Quite often, these stadium comedians are for someone who listens to comedy all day at work and exposes themselves to stand-up comedians left, right, and center, uh, are not very funny. Hmm, sadness. The Misses is a huge, huge fan of Russell Peters. I, too, have enjoyed his stand-up. Uh, what I wanted to say on that note is that if you have seen a Russell Peters stand-up comedy routine, you've kind of seen them all. Yeah, that's that's sort of the, the, the downside of his act, is that some of the details may change, but the sort of underlying jokes are always the same, so it's hard to re-laugh at jokes. That's uh, one thing that comedians have tougher than, say, a, uh, a rock and roll band. Whereas a rock and roll band, if they get up on stage and play all new material, the audience is going to be pissed off. They want to hear those classics. Whereas with a comedian, if you're saying the same old jokes, the audience is going to be pissed off. They want to hear all new material. So uh, kind of hard to consistently come up with new material, which I don't think Russell Peters has done in this special. On that note, why don't I give my rating of, uh, I'm going to go f like two out of five. Yeah, it just wasn't, it's a stand-up comedy special that did not, for me, generate laughs, so I have to give it a low score. Now, it didn't, it didn't not generate no laughs. Oh god, lots of negatives in that. I did laugh occasionally. And I'll tell you when I did. When Russell Peters was sort of interacting with the audience, and that's what I wanted to point out, is that this is not a dumb guy. This guy is quick-witted and smart and has the ability to be easily funny. But I think, and, and you can really, really see that in his interaction with the audience, and he's probably one of the best in the biz at doing so, that sort of back and forth with the audience members. Uh, if his whole set was that, I would be happy, because that's where all the laughs I had came from. Now, that being said, I think either one of two things is happening here, and <laughs> I think he is potentially just a comedian who's sort of hitting the audience in sort of very broad strokes and trying to appeal to all. Well, no, no, I should say, I think that's the case regardless. He's sort of trying to hit the old ladies and get them to laugh. He's trying to hit the kids. He's just all over the map and sort of very, very broad broad humor, I think is the way you can say it. Now, I think either he's... That's just his sense of humor, which I kind of don't think is the case from hearing him talk in other things. I kind of don't think that is the case. I think what is the case is he is a goddamn genius, and he knows that for people who watch and expose themselves to a lot of comedy, he knows that a lot of his material is not going to be funny for them. But he also knows that he can fill a stadium with this brand of comedy and make just a shit, shit, shit ton of money. So I think that is the more likely of the scenarios, that he's a genius and realizes that his comedy is not going to be funny to people who are comedically inclined uh, yeah, kind of a bad way to say it. For example, uh, I've got a few notes, not very many. One of his first uh, sort of jokes 
let's call it, was about Bangkok and how the word Bangkok is funny. Uh, <laughs> just, uh, I wrote, I wrote my notes here, groaner. Now, the audience seemed to like it, so that sort of illustrates my point, but that's just, it's kind of hacky. Uh, the other thing that probably comes up a lot when people speak of Russell Peters and his comedy is that potentially, uh, in fact, maybe not even potentially, he is, a lot of his material is racist. Yeah. And I don't think if he was a white person, he would get away with a lot of the shit he says. And I'm of sort of two minds of this. My one mind, and my stronger of my two minds, is that when you are up on stage and you are a comedian, you can say whatever the hell you want, regardless of absolutely everything. Now, there may be consequences for some of the things you say, but you should be able to say absolutely everything. Uh, I just think, in his case, the consequences are less than they would be if he were a white person. That is my theory, and uh, I don't think I'm the only one who has that theory. My last note here is sort of lowest common denominator, and that is, uh, as well, a lot of his material sort of going into the fart humor and the, and the puking and the shitting, which, uh, you know, can be funny, but uh, I think using that and that only can get repetitive, and it's harder to make those jokes consistently funny, I think. Uh, yeah, so, it wasn't very <laughs> I end this podcast with, it's nice to be nice to the nice, and I felt I wasn't very nice there to Russell Peters, and uh, I just want to say that's one man's opinion. The missus loved it, so, you know, a little disappointed in her there, but she's not watching comedy as frequently as I do, so, there you go. Uh, folks, I am stopping to get some breakfast, as I do once a week, so I will edit, edit, edit this out, and be back in a moment with movie the second. Hmm. Editing, editing, editing. On the road again. Road again. That was the On the Road Again remix. Thank you for that voice box. Disappointingly, no, uh, the lovely and talented Jordan working at the coffee shop that I frequent. Damn it. Movie, the second we're going to jump back into is titled The Shining. Hmm. You may have heard of this one. It is a popular film. Definitely falls more into the film category than the movie category, I do believe. If you have not seen this, what is wrong with you? There's something deeply, deeply wrong with you. You could be a character in a Stephen King novel there's something so deeply wrong with you if you haven't seen the movie The Shining. Yeah, this is uh, easily put on my sort of list of movies everyone should see. It's, uh, I knew the missus would like this movie, and I knew she had seen this movie, I knew she had seen this movie multiple times. What I was unaware of is that out of any movie she has ever seen multiple times, this one she has seen the most because it is one of her favorites. This was probably, if I had to guess, my fourth viewing over the course of a lifetime, which is uh, pretty high for me just in that I don't rewatch movies unless I really, really, really like them as a sort of general rule. On that note, it is an obvious 5 out of 5. No hesitation, no ifs, ands, or buts in giving this a 5 out of 5. And 
one of the amazing things I think about this movie is that it still very, very much holds up. One sort of note, though, that is, I guess, sort of a not good note, is that if you've seen this movie and seen it as many times as the missus and I have, uh, it's not really scary any longer. There's a few, perhaps, scary moments. Uh, I don't like long hallways, and I don't know what came first, sort of a chicken and an egg thing for me. If I don't like long hallways for seeing this movie, or seeing this movie brings out the fear of long hallways I have, it's just long hallways with, like, little girls at the end is doubly scary. That's a famous scene. Uh, again, I, I don't think I can really spoil this movie too much, or should get in trouble for doing so for a movie that came out in the 70s? Question mark? Yeah, I guess it was 70s, 80s? I don't know what year this came out. Uh, the Misses, speaking of, gave this movie a 4 out of 5, once again, illustrating her broken goddamn scale. I want to just point out that she gave The Shining 4 out of 5, and she gave the movie Rush Hour with Jackie Chan and Chris Tucker a 5 out of 5. I'm really enunciating my words when saying that so you can not mishear me. That is disgusting and broken and sickens me. Anyways, uh, another thing this sort of movie illustrates is the difference in pacing from back in the day to today. This movie is two and a half hour long, two and a half hours long, which, uh, which is a long movie. Uh, there's no denying it. We were going to watch it last weekend, but uh, when I told the missus it was two and a half hours long, she said no. No. <laughs> she needed to, I think, sort of mentally prepare herself for watching a movie of that length. <laughs> which I don't know how she didn't know. The amount of time she's seen this, she didn't realize that it was a long movie. Yeah, so what I was talking about there is the pacing. And uh, I think that's something that horror movies nowadays, to their detriment, have screwed up. And uh, I've had this complaint in quite a few movie Mondays that in horror movies, which I love, I love a good horror movie, hell, I love a bad horror movie quite often, but uh, nowadays in horror movies, the, the bad guy, the bad thing, the bad whatever, is revealed way, 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 way too early within them. I need a slow build to really get my nerves shaken and get my scare on, which movies nowadays do not have. For me, as soon as you see the sort of big bad within a horror movie, that's kind of it for me for scares. They're all downhill from there. Oh, uh, another sort of cool thing that this is uh, sort of fits into a book of a Wednesday more than this movie Monday, and that is I'm going to... Actually, you know what? I don't remember if I've ever read The Shining. I think I must have. I've read a shit ton of Stephen King novels. I believe Shining was one of them. But my plan on that is to reread The Shining and then read Stephen King's newest novel that like just, just came out called Dr. Sleep. And this is a really cool idea. If you are unfamiliar, Dr. Sleep is the uh, sequel to The Shining. Yeah. I didn't know such a thing existed, sort of just found that out and want to be all over that. Like a fat kid on a smarty, if you will. The movie and the book, for that matter, follow the Torrance family. Jack Torrance, played famously by Mr. Jack Nicholson, sign up to be a caretaker of the Overlook Hotel. The Overlook Hotel 
which closes down for not quite half the year because it's just impossible to get to due to snow. And then it's his sort of slow descent into madness brought on not by average everyday things, but more by the, I don't want to say mystical, but this hotel was built on an ancient Indian burial ground. Previous caretaker also went insane and killed his family, Grizzly. So uh, all this is sort of built up within this hotel and slowly turns Jack Torrance into a madman. Uh, and again, it's that sort of slow descent. It's not the flick of a switch that he's crazy. No, no, no. It happens over uh, quite a long period of time within actual time and within movie time. So uh, I very much like that. The slow build. Uh, the book, Dr. Sleep, is taking place after these events when uh, Jack Torrance's son is an adult now. His son has what we call in the biz, <laughs> that doesn't make sense, The Shining. The Shining, which is sort of a a mind ability, the ability to sense things, the ability to talk to others in their minds if they have the same ability, such as Scatman Crothers in this movie, Uh, the ability to sort of see into the future, perhaps not 100% crystal clear. Maybe that happens in uh, in the sequel book. Oh, did I say the name of the sequel book? It's called Dr. Sleep. So that's kind of a cool title, too, actually. Uh, where was I? I do not recall. Uh, I'm getting close to work, so I'll have to wrap this up pretty quick. Uh, Shelley Duvall plays Jack Nicholson's wife in this. And uh, she is kind of horrifying in her own right. Just that she's a little scary to behold. And that's a not very nice thing to say. I feel like I'm not being nice in this movie Monday, but... Uh, the odds that Shelley Duvall is going to listen to this podcast are both a fat chance and a slim chance. So, same with Russell Peters. It's not like I'm going to send this episode to Russell Peters and say, Hey, you, listen to what I had to say about your not-great comedy special. So please, do not pass this on to Russell Peters if you know him and are listening to this, which I assume is a great many of my audience. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, well, since I'm so close to work, and that means I'm out of time to talk about The Shining, I will just say that I didn't really spoil it, so that's kind of nice. I didn't mean to not spoil it, but I didn't spoil it, so I suppose you're welcome. That will leave one final thing to say before I go in and do eight hours of work and come back and talk about two more movies, and that is, of course... Oh. My. Blob. Look at her butt. I'm a fool to do your dirty working, working, working. And we're back. We are back. We are back. We are back. We are back. Back. We are back. Back in action. Hello again. It was a dark and stormy night. <laughs> well, I only say that because it is literally a dark and stormy drive home. So. Once again, the potential for me not being able to read my notes as well as if it was neither dark nor stone in me is there. Sadness. But we're going to, you know, soldier on, because as they say, the show must go on. I like hitting the word must in that sentence because it adds a certain bit of insanity. The show must go on. 
thusly. Speaking of insanity, my next movie is titled Hobo with a Shotgun. Hobo with a Shotgun. You may have heard of this movie. It was... The way I sort of uh, heard that this movie developed was that uh, it was a trailer, a fake trailer, during uh, the sort of double feature of Planet Terror and Death Proof, the Quentin Tarantino flicks. I don't think Quentin Tarantino had anything to do with this actual movie, though. Uh, it didn't seem like he did too much. No, I don't think he did. I should have maybe looked and researched that. The movie stars Rutger Hauer as the titular hobo with a shotgun. And the movie is quite literally what the title indicates. A homeless gentleman comes to a town, a fictional town, that is kind of, sort of, kind of, sort of akin to a, <laughs> probably not a very nice thing to say, kind of, sort of, reminiscent of modern-day Detroit, but amped up for craziness' sake. Amped up quite a bit. And just in that, it's a city that's sort of, uh, I guess for lack of a better word, falling apart. And if you've seen the movie Detropia, which uh, just so happens to be a movie I brought back on a Movie Monday quite a while back. You'll know what I mean. Something interesting of this movie is that it used a lot, a lot of Canadian actors. So uh, I like that very much. In fact, a lot of the actors I recognized from the television show Trailer Park Boys. Yeah, Trailer Park Boys. Including, uh, I do believe the bad guy of this movie did a did a couple episodes, I'm pretty sure. And at the very beginning, Ricky himself, of Ricky, Julian, and Bubbles, was, uh, was had, a, had a part. He played like a, how would you describe it? I think a relative of the bad people in this movie who was trying to do right, <laughs> which compared to his Julian character, picturing him doing right is odd and was odd. In fact, it's odd to see Julian, Ricky, or Bubbles, it's, it would be odd to see them, and was, to see them in any roles other than their Trailer Park Boy roles, just for the reason I think that when those three go out and about and, like, go on radio shows or do talk shows or whatever, they're always, always in character. So, uh, kind of interesting to see proof now that they're not actual real people. I feel a little let down, to be honest. So, this hobo comes to this wayward town, let's say, and shit is going down around him that is not good. Evil deeds being done by evil folk. And it very much had a feel in that regard of a western movie. He's sort of the cowboy coming into town and gonna clean it up. That, that sort of idea. Which is just what he decides to do. Decides to do after seeing many bad things happen two people. It's not like it's not like he immediately starts cleaning up the town. He first apparently has to see um, Santa, a, pedof a pedophile Santa, carry away a small child. That he lets slide the first time, you know. Uh, he has to see a man paying a hobo to beat up another hobo. Uh, he sees it happen. He sees the blood sport involved. Let's that slide. But eventually he just sort of reaches a breaking point, <laughs> which it took quite a bit, to be honest, 
So not exactly the what knight in shining armor here. For some reason, there's always this sort of need and desire of him to buy this lawnmower. <laughs> I didn't really get that part of the story. I think it was his thought was that he's going to save up forty nine ninety nine to buy this lawnmower and then turn his life around by cutting lawns, presumably. Yeah, I don't know. That didn't really make sense. He gets into a pickle where the store that is selling this lawnmower that he has the money to purchase is being robbed, and he's had enough. So he, instead of buying the lawnmower, buys a shotgun. Now, if I was the owner of this store, there's some very strange things that go on here. One is that I don't think I would have a shotgun just out for everyone to grab that was fully loaded. That seems strange right there. The other thing is that if people came in to rob my store and held one of my customers hostage, and then I saved him from this fate of possibly being murdered and definitely being robbed, I think the odds are he would, you know, let me have the $49.99 shotgun for free. He could have had both shotgun and lawnmower, is what I'm saying. There's also a girl involved. It's not really a love interest. It's sort of more a father-daughter kind of vibe between these two. And that's kind of the other reason he decides to clean up the streets, is for the reason that this girl's getting pushed around by these bad guys. These bad guys in this movie are so sort of incredibly over-the-top ridiculous that they would sort of fit in... Uh, <laughs> they'd fit in like a, as a comic book bad guy. Like, just that sort of... At one point, and this actually shocked me that this made it into the movie, two of the, I guess we'll just call them henchmen brothers of this gang, go into a school bus with a flamethrower and friggin' light a bunch of kids on fire. I, I, I was just... I was speechless when that happens. I knew this is a super violent movie, and that's kind of what it's famous for. But to have that happen in a movie, it's just mind-boggling that <laughs> they thought that would be all right. Uh, it's crazy. Just crazy over-the-topness. Crazy over-the-topness to the point where it becomes unbelievable. I kind of uh, don't know how I feel about this movie, to be honest. Uh, it's hard for me to pick a rating for the reason that it's not a good movie by any means. It does do some of that treading of so bad it's good. There are moments of that. There's no denying it. But there are also moments of it's so bad it's bad. So I think on that note, I'm going to go a convoluted rating, as I like to do, of uh, two out of five for most of the movie. Maybe the odd sort of three out of five. Oh, that's something I've never seen in a movie thought in your head. Yeah. Convoluted enough for you? Just what the Liberal Cube is known for. It's convoluted ratings. I'm going to wrap it up, which I guess I already did, by saying there are two characters that are bad guys that may or may not be robots. <laughs> I wasn't sure. So there's, there's there's bad guys that may or may not be robots within this movie. Uh -huh. Hobo with a shotgun, people. Hobo with a shotgun. Uh, next movie has an also ridiculous title, but is far less ridiculous. It is called Son of Rambo. Son of Rambo. This is, if you judge this by the title, it is nothing 
even remotely what you think it will be about. Whereas Hobo with a Shotgun, it is about a hobo with a shotgun. Son of Rambo is not actually about Son of Rambo. As if Rambo had a son. Rather, it's a sort of dark, dramedy, comedy, comedrons, coming of age, flick, film. Actually, yeah, much, much. Whereas a Hobo with a Shotgun is a movie, Son of Rambo is more in the film category. If, if you follow me. I think it may have won some awards, actually. It was good. Very, very much liked it. Uh, so, I don't forget, as I do from time to time, if I don't do it immediately, I will give my rating of this movie, which is 4 to 5. Yeah, I very much enjoyed it. I think potentially even, uh, this is a very good Sunday movie, which I've spoke of before, that certain movies really, really fit in that Sunday movie vibe, and this one does. I think potentially if you watch this on a nice, relaxing, chillaxing, under-the-covers kind of Sunday, uh, you might give it a 5 out of 5, but uh, normally 4 out of 5. How about that? Convoluted ratings again, left, right, and center. Uh, this is about a kid whose father has passed away. His father, who I should say at this point, is not, in fact, Rambo. Sylvester Stallone makes zero appearances in this movie, other than a few scenes of this kid watching the first Rambo movie. Uh, this kid, who's a bit of an outcast in school for the reason that his mother, and presumably father was, a member of this sort of religious order, uh, I'm not really sure if it was based on an actual factual religious order. Uh, the women have to sort of wear their hair tied a little bit, they can't watch television or movies or listen to music. Got a little bit of an Amish vibe to it in a lot of regards. And then there's the whole crazy religious thing, uh, which uh, I don't feel like I've given out a religious rant in quite a while. So uh, why don't I just say all religion is crazy and should be banished from the face of the planet. And if our forebears had have thought far enough ahead and done so already... I would be friggin', I would be in my hover car right now, on my way home to, uh, say, Replicator, Earl Grey Tea Hot, uh, and then maybe hop in my holodeck for a couple hours. That's where I would be right now, were it not for religion fucking this shit up and putting us way, way behind, scientifically, the bastards. Okay, uh, religious rants completed. See, you never know when it's going to pop up. I didn't expect when talking about the movie Son of Rambo to toss one of those out, as I do from time to time, but it'll happen. It'll just happen. I let them flow naturally is what I do. Where was I? Yeah, so a bit of an outcast for those reasons, and then sort of because he has to go out in the hallway when the teacher puts on a documentary on the television he uh, sort of gets involved with this badass kid. This badass kid who is in the hallway for the reason that he's a badass. And the teacher said, go out in the hallway. Remember when teachers did that? Kind of a not very good punishment. I used to not mind it so much. Just go sit in the hallway, chillax, make fun of people walking by, shoot the shit a little bit. It was good times. I miss those times. Hmm. Anyways, they sort of... Uh, get in shit together, which kind of starts the process of getting them close to one another. The other thing is that uh, this badass kid 
exposes almost accidentally the outcast religious kid to Rambo. And it's as if he had a sort of spiritual awakening and realized that his life is a sham and decides that movie making is something he wants to do with the help of the badass kid. So it's badass and religious kid. It has that sort of buddy cop movie feel just in that they're sort of two total opposite folk thrust together to complete this task. Uh, so I, I like it very much in that regard. The sort of uh, end result follows a lot, a lot of comedies, which I'm sort of... I, I was a little disappointed in that because I thought this was going different places, but it went the same place that all comedy movies seem to go. It had drama mixed in, don't get me wrong, Death of a Father, uh, the other one also having a not-present father, but uh, followed the same old, same old of two people hating each other at first then growing to care about and respect one another, perhaps even love one another. Then they have a falling out. The falling out comes about in the form of a Frenchman. This takes place in England, I should mention. The Frenchman gets involved with this movie-making process and sort of uh, sneaks in there and puts a rift between these two boys. When I say Frenchman, he was not a man, a French boy. A rift develops... Uh, the rift is sealed at the end of the movie, as you do. So very, very typical in that regard, which is a shame. It's a shame. Getting close to home and combining this storm and the darkness means I cannot see very well, so should probably pay attention to my driving. Combining that with just about done anyways, so I'm going to wrap this baby up by saying uh, this is a good movie. It's got your heartwarming parts, it's got your funny parts, it's got your sad parts, Got your make-your-think-a-little-bit parts. And uh, all in all, very good. Highly recommend. It is Son of Rambo. Folks, uh, I had fun on this episode. I hope you did as well. Another movie Monday under our belts. If you... Oh, you know what I've never done? And uh, just realized this now, as I said, since I got, you know, a little time to kill here. Why don't I say to you, listening to this, if there is a movie that I haven't spoken of and a movie that you would like to hear me talk of, let me know what it is. I will grab it, I will bring it back, and I will give you credit for the suggestion. Oh, uh, if you do decide to do that, uh, also give me your rating of the movie. You can tweet at me, Jordan underscore Maywood. I would love to hear from you about that, or hell, anything, while you're at it. That will leave the final thing to say, which is always the final thing to say, which is... It is nice. To be nice to the nice. Thank you for listening. We here in the Liberal Cube would love to hear from you. If for any reason you would like to contact us, you can do so via the email address mailwood.jordan at gmail.com. And now I have a theory. I've got a theory that it's a demon, a dancing demon. Something isn't right there. I've got a theory. The best is yet to come, and babe, won't it be fine? You think you've seen the sun, but you ain't seen it shine. Wait till the warm-up's underway. Wait till our lips have met. Wait till you see that sunshine day You ain't seen nothing yet 
So best is yet to come and be Won't it be fine The best is yet to come Come the day you're mine Live long and prosper.